We begin a new series today, as we've already been told, called Everyday People. You know, so often in life, we th- when we think of people who do extraordinary things, we think of superheroes. You know, recently in the movies, there's been people like Spider-Man who had the ability to, you know, wouldn't it be cool to be Spider-Man? I always thought it'd be, that would be one of the coolest things to swing, you know, between buildings. And I like roller coasters, by the way, so it's kind of cool, that, that feeling you have, you know, when you kind of drop and things. Uh, that would be cool. But he has a special ability because he was bitten by a spider and and then uh, there's a whole group of uh, kind of people that had extra special abilities. They're called X-Men. You know, that was kind of a, they got different kind of abilities and can do extraordinary things. And even there's some people in the movies that can do extraordinary things, even though they don't have special abilities, but they always have special, like, resources, like Batman and um, uh, Iron Man. Both have uh, incredible resources available to them, plus they're real smart, and they can do some stuff that nobody else has. They're not just everyday people. They're kind of extraordinary people that do things. But the reality is in Scripture so often what we see that's clear to us is that really God uses people who are just everyday people to do his will. He uses everyday people to do extraordinary things throughout Scripture, people that aren't necessarily people that have no superpowers. They don't have extra resources. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're not necessarily smarter than anybody else. They're just people who are willing and available. And we're going to be talking about those people over the next uh, four weeks. Different staff person each week will be taking uh, different people. Today I want to talk about probably one of the most ordinary and most everyday persons in Scripture. His name was Gideon. Now, Gideon is kind of an interesting guy because when we first see him, he's not exactly somebody you think is going to be a real leader. But God uses him in an extraordinary way. If you have your Bibles this morning, you might want to turn to Judges chapter 6. And we'll be looking at some verses there uh, in chapter 6. We'll also have it up on the screen talking about this. In in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, we're introduced to uh, the the situation that was going on. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he, God, gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because of the, the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Now, the situation, and we're getting ready to see Gideon in just a moment, the situation we see is that for a long period of time, there had been this group of people called the Midianites. And actually, almost 200 years before this, before the scenario here, uh, the Midianites had been one of the groups of people that the Israelites had actually overcome, had uh, defeated back when they took the, the Promised Land. They had gone through this process. They were one of those groups of people. And in doing so, what happened is, is that uh, right after that, though, the Israelites got kind of cocky. They got kind of like, man, we, you know, look at us. We're so cool. We have, you know, have all this power. And so what happened was is that it says in Scripture that God allowed the Midianites to continue after that, even though they were, they were uh, uh, overcome at the time. Over the next 200 years, they, they multiplied and, uh, like rabbits. They became like, it said there were so many of them, like a swarm of locusts. They were everywhere. But during that same time, the Israelites did not seem to grow at all as, as a number of people. They kind of stayed the same. And then it says in, in verse uh, 1 and 2 here we just read, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and God allowed something to happen. It seemed like this happened several times in Scripture, where they would turn away, the Israelites would turn away from God, and then what it is, God would allow a group of people to overcome them. And at this time, it was the Midianites, this group of people that, that had 200 years of history with the Israelites. And the thing that's clear here is this, is that even though uh, the, the Midianites were people who were not only going to overcome them, they were powerful people, but their, their focus was not on destruction. It was on revenge. 
It was on getting back for all the things that they had done, the Israelites had done to them 200 years before, and now there was tons of them. And it says because of that, their power was so oppressive that the Israelites prepared shelters, and they lived in mountain clefts and caves and in strongholds. And then in verses 11 and 12 in, in Judges chapter 6, we're introduced to the guy Gideon. It says this about him. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abarites. That I can never say this guy's name. You, know, you just make it up, whatever you want to say. The Abizarite. Okay, I think that's how you say his name. If it does, it really doesn't matter because that's not important. But this is what's important. It says where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now. The picture we have of this guy Gideon, this guy that God's going to use in a miraculous way, the first picture we have of him is basically in a hole in the ground. This wine press was a place that was probably, there was different ways of doing wine presses, but probably this time it was kind of a hollow place carved out with a flat floor where they put, put grapes in and press them and, and turn them into wine. So basically this guy who was going to be used by God, the first time we see him, he's basically hiding in a wine press in a hole in the ground. And in verse 12 it says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. That's the first thing he said. And then he calls him by name. He says, mighty warrior. Now, I don't know if God or the angel just had a sense of humor or what the deal was, but this is the last thing that I would think when I saw this guy. Basically, Gideon was not a mighty warrior. He was a guy who was cringing in fear. And we began to see this picture of, of Gideon here, and we began to ask ourselves the question is, why are you talking about him today? Because he was an everyday person that teaches us incredible lessons about what happens when we follow God's plan for our lives. Gideon had two insecurities we know of right off the bat. In verse, uh, six, uh, verse 13, it says Gideon was, was afraid God wasn't faithful because immediately he says this, But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You know, usually we get the idea that if God is with us, everything is hunky-dory. Everything is fine. Everything is just going to be perfect in our lives if God is with us. So his first question, Gideon's first question is, you know, why in the world are we in this situation? Why are we all hiding in cliffs and caves and doing all these things that God, if you really are with us, I just don't believe that. I don't see that right now. But the fact was God was there and he was with him. We've had these last seven years of bad stuff, he says, and, and we're not, not sure that you're with us. And the second insecurity that Gideon had was he was afraid he wasn't good enough because he, he says, he says, calls him mighty warrior in verse, verse 14. We're going to come back to in a minute, ask him to do something. This is Gideon's attitude about himself. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Basically, Gideon was saying, hey, God, if you hadn't noticed... Not only am I in the smallest clan, the smallest group of people in Israel, but I'm also the, the least person. I'm like on the bottom of the totem pole. I am nothing. Do you think he had a self-image problem? That's, this is the kind of guy that God wants to use, though. And that's what's amazing here. So often it's, it's true in our lives that anytime God wants to do something in our lives, we make excuses. I've heard excuses like, you know, well, I'm not old enough, or I'm too old. Or I don't have that skill. I don't have this skill. Whatever it may be. Or I, I just don't know how to do that. I don't have the training. I've heard those, those excuses. And I've used those excuses as well in, in areas of my life as well. But the thing is here in Scripture is God saw something in Gideon that he did not, that Gideon didn't see in himself. 
What I want to talk about today is this, that God wants to do something in our lives. And what he wants to do is he wants to do in our lives what I call a Gideon. He wants to do a Gideon on us. And you're going, what's a Gideon? A Gideon is when God uses an everyday person, a person who is fearful, insecure, and unsure to do the impossible. And we think it takes a superhero to do those type of things. But God proves that to be false here in Scripture. Basically today, for the rest of the few minutes we're going to talk about this, I want to talk about a formula that, that in, a, in a sense, kind of gives us an idea about how God works. And this is going to be a formula we'll see throughout this whole series. And the formula is this. When you're with God, His strength, God's strength, plus your weakness equals exactly enough. With God, His strength, plus your weakness, whatever you have, is exactly enough for the job God asks you to do. Now that pretty opens up the door to a lot of possibilities. Because when we see Gideon uh, in verse, verse 14, going back to that verse I was hit, God had asked him to do something. He says in verse 14, he says, The Lord turned to Gideon and said, Go in the strength that you have. Now what did God say? Did he say, Go take a class? Did he say, Go get stronger? Learn to talk better, uh, get a little older. Now he said, go in the strength that you have. The part of that formula was this. God says, with God, God's strength plus our weakness. Whatever you have, whatever stage of life you're in, if God calls you to do something, it's going to be enough. And then he says, and what I want you to go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I want to tell you the truth, folks. All of us have fears. I've been up speaking before people every Sunday just about for the last 20 plus years. And I want to tell you, every week I I get nervous. Every week I get nervous to get up here and do this. Matter of fact, you know, I don't show nerves in the same way. You know that I have not sat down in a chair since 7 a.m. this morning? You know why? Because it's nervous energy. I've got to walk around. I got to, you know, just walk it off. And I'm thinking, and I usually don't sit down until I go home. And then I always wonder why my legs hurt so much on Sundays. You know, you know, I'm thinking, of, you know, I thought about, you know, hiring a chiropractor or masseuse or something, you know, every Sunday after church because I, my legs kill me. And then I realize, you know, I'm standing up for five, six hours because it's just nervous energy. I stand up when I study for Sunday mornings. I just do that. It's part of the nervous energy that I have. It's part of the deal is I'm fearful. But I understand this for the last many years. I have people coming to me all the time, going out the door, and you say nice things. And, and I'm glad you say nice things. I'm, it's better than saying bad things. But uh, the deal is people go out the door and say, Pastor, that was so, uh, that just really, you really spoke to me. And I'm going, what part spoke to you? And then they'll tell me something. I'm going, and I don't say this, but I'm, sometimes I'm thinking, I don't remember saying that. And I'm going like, well, okay, it's my weakness and God's strength is exactly enough, and they get exactly what they need because God's the one in the equation that meets the need. We have to realize that God wants to use what we have. And this story of Gideon is a perfect story to show that because uh, verse, uh, verse 16 says, The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. That was the task he gave to him. He says, Gideon, this guy who's in, a, who's in a wine press, who's in a hole in the ground, who's hiding, who's fearful, who thinks he's, he's nothing. He's the least of the least. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to be the leader of the group of people that I will send out to overcome this group of people who, will, who, will, who have been oppressing you for all these years. 
He's not the person that you would think. He doesn't have any superpowers. He doesn't have any, any, any real special abilities. He's just an everyday person. And for the remainder of, of Judges chapter 6 and verse se- chapter 7, it goes through a story. I'm not going to read all that today, but I, I just want to uh, encourage you to read that, chapter 6 and chapter 7 this week, and think about all the things that are here in this story that talk about the things I'm going to point out here just really quickly this morning. After God gives Gideon this, this task to do, Gideon is kind of begins the, the thing that we do. He begins to say, well, am I really up to the task? God, are you really in this? And so over the next few verses, basically Gideon throws out three tests to prove that God really is who he says he is and that God is really in this. First off, he says, I'm going to make this meal and I'm going to put it on a rock and the angel touches it. You read in verse 17 and following and, and something happens to that. God passed that test. And then the famous test that we, if you've read scripture before, you know about at the end of chapter six, Gideon does this really strange thing. I don't know how he came up with this test. And you know, if I was testing God, it'd been something more dramatic, you know, like part the Red Sea or, you know, or maybe the Illinois River. I don't know. Or do something dramatic to prove that you're really God. He says, what I want you to do is I want God, I'm going to place I, to prove, you know, God, I really want, believe that you want me to do this. But just in case to make sure so I'll be more secure, what I want to do is I'm going to take this thing called a wolf lease. And I'm going to lay it on the ground on, on, the, on the threshing floor there. And what I want you to do tonight while I'm sleeping is I want you to, when the dew comes, you know how dew works? It works the same way around here. It does in Virginia, I found out. You know, it, when it comes, it's everywhere, you know. Dew's on the ground when you get up in the morning. It's wet everywhere. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to have just the fleece wet and everything else around it dry. And God, when you do that, I'll prove to me that you really are in this and that you really are God. And so guess what happens? That morning he wakes up, he looks, he opens, he, he goes down to the threshing floor, and all everything around it's dry, but the fleece right there in the middle of the floor, he picks it up and he wrings it out, and he probably has a gallon of water in that thing. And you think, okay. God's serious about this. And then Gideon says something strange. He says, well, God, just one more test. You ever done that with God? God, I kind of believe it, but just one more test. I want you to do the reverse thing now. What I want you to do now is I want you to have everything, everything around it wet and the fleece dry. So the next morning, that happens. Fleece is dry. Everything else is wet. So he finally believes that God is who he says he is. He's really with him after all these little tests that he has. So often we question God and we ask God, God, you know, if you really want me to do this, uh, just do this for me. You ever made deals with God? Sure you have. Something happens in your life and you pray, God, you know, if I really, if I really want you to do this, so if you do this, I'll do this. You kind of make deals. This is what, in a sense, is the test of faith that, that God is taking Gideon through to, to get him ready for the big task. He's teaching him small ways through this whole process of trusting in God. And so in chapter 7, it talks about, in, in, in Judges chapter 7, it talks about the big battle. God's given, given him a, uh, you know, this, this whole process to go through. And then he says he prepares for battle. And, and as he prepares for battle, uh, the thing about it is, is that... Um, you would think at this point, Gideon's already had these, these things. God's told him, he said, he said, no, Gideon, with me, with my strength and your weakness, it's going to be exactly enough to do what I told you to do. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to overcome the Midianites. Remember, though, remember, though, that I told you earlier that the Midianites had multiplied hugely. They were a huge group of people. In Scripture, we can figure out there was at least... We don't know exactly, at least 125 to 150, maybe 200,000 people there. 
warriors. Because the Midianites and their allies were there together, a whole bunch of people. And it was this huge group of people there. And then God, to prove his faithfulness, he tests Gideon's obedience as well. And he says, okay, call out the people for battle. He puts up posters, I want you. You know, and all these things, and he gets all these things going on. And, and, and get ready, and they, and they come out of the woodwork, all the Israelites, and they count them, and it's 32,000. 32,000 Israelites are going to fight 150 to 200,000 Midianites. Odds don't seem too fair, but remember the formula. Whatever you have with whatever God has together equals exactly enough. But God does something strange to prove his, that it's really God. Because, you know, it's possible that the Midianites could be having a bad day. And it's possible maybe that 32,000 could beat 150 to 200,000. Maybe. But the issue is God wants to prove that it's only with God that no matter how weak you are with God, that you're, he's the one that makes the formula work. And so what he does, he says, to, he says to Gideon, he says, I want you to announce to the people. And I don't know if he said this or not, but I thought, thought about this. He says, I want you to tell all those guys who are afraid that they're mama's boys to go home. I don't think you call them that, but they were. Okay? Everybody who's afraid goes home. 22,000 people. 22,000 people go home that day in the story. Leaves you 10,000. Easy math. Gideon's probably getting a little nervous by this time, but the process is, is all of a sudden he's going, God says, Gideon, that's still not enough. We need, to, we need to pare this down a little bit more. And so at that point, what he does is he does this thing that, that, that uh, Chris talked to you about earlier, that this little test he does. He says, I want all of your guys to go down to the river and drink. And when you go down there to drink, I want you to watch how they drink. Those who lap up like, get on their all fours and drink like dogs without really being paying attention, I said, you want to send them home. And then well, those who pick it up with their hands and drink, I want you to keep them. And he ended up with only 300 guys, just 300 against 150 to 200,000 people. God says, okay, Gideon, we're ready. You're ready to be used. I mean, you can listen, you can do it, because at this point, the only way this is going to get done is what? God's got to do it. Because it's physically impossible. There's no way the 300 guys, no matter how good of warriors they are, can battle that many people and possibly win. And so we read the rest of the chapter, and the amazing thing in chapter 7, and I encourage you to go back and read it as this, is God, through the workings of that, begins the process in the Midianite camp to help them to understand or begin to have doubts about what's going on and start whispering and talking to each other and become fearful. And then at night when the, they carry out God's plan, which actually is the 300, all I had to do is get around camp, have lanterns, uh, jars, break them, all this light comes on, they start yelling and screaming. The Midianites basically kill themselves. It's a giant massacre. God does it. You see, with God, his strength plus our weakness is exactly enough for what he wants us to do. God doesn't need you to be a superhero. He doesn't need you to be, have special powers. He doesn't need you to have you know, incredible abilities to be able to do something incredible for him. And most of the time, the problem is not that it's incredible something we have, but so often we just, we just have things in God's Word that we need to understand that we don't do ourselves. And we say, I just can't do that. You know, all that thing about, you know, about, uh, you know, going an extra mile. What about that one? That's tough. Turning the other cheek. That's tough. You know? 
Giving of my income to God because I love him. That's tough. Doing all these things we know in Scripture, they, they can be the most difficult things. We're saying, God, I can't do that because we're fearful and we're unsure and we're uncertain. But God's word, we don't have to have an angel show up and tell us what to do. we got God's word to tell us what to do, to give us direction. But if we remember the, the, this episode, and this, this story of Gideon, we understand with God, with God, his strength plus our weakness is going to be exactly enough to do whatever he tells us to do whether it be something that's fairly small in Scripture or maybe something that God wants you to do that's incredible in your lives. You see, God saw Gideon as a mighty warrior. Gideon saw himself as a weak and one of the least. So often that's what holds us back. It's not about who we are. It's about how we see ourselves and how little or how much we trust in God and his plan. Let me ask you this question as we close. What has fear kept you from doing that God wants you to do? What has fear kept you from doing that God wants you to do? Has it been things like, you know, simple things, maybe like, like, us, like just simply trusting him in some area of your life, some area of relationship, some area of, of sharing with somebody else, some area of, of, of rearranging your finances, some area of rearranging your relationships, of being able to say yes and no to the right things and the wrong things. What fear of of rejection, of failure, what fear has kept you from doing what God wants you to do? That's the first question to ask yourself this week. The second question is this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You know, Gideon was still Gideon. He was still the fearful guy in the hole. It was not how what he feared. It's where he placed his trust. And Gideon, little bit by little bit, learned to place his trust in God over a period of time, and it was a short period of time, where he became useful to God, and God was able to use him in ways that he would never have imagined just a few days before that in that hole in the ground. So what are you going to do about it? You know, there's nothing in life that God cannot work through if you trust him. If you allow him to fill in the gaps in your life, you take whatever you have, add whatever God his, his strength, which is immense, it will equal exactly enough to do whatever task needs to be done. So what is it God wants you to do? Kids, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're in here this week, next few weeks. You know, there may be some things like you've got some friend at school who's giving you a hard time, but maybe you need to be a more positive witness to them. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's uh, you know, obeying that commandment that says obey your fathers and mothers. Listen to them. Parents, maybe it's the whole thing of, of just of spending more time with your kids and a more positive, not just time just watching them do stuff, but time with them. What is it God wants you to do that you've been fearful about? With God, his strength plus our weakness equal exactly enough, no matter what it is. That's the lesson of Scripture, and that is reality scripture as well thank you for listening to great oaks community church's weekly podcast for more series and podcast information go to greatoakscc.org